So uh, we're going to talk today about what happens according to prophecy. According to prophecy. Amen. According to prophecy. There are some things that we need to understand about prophecy. And uh, I'm, I'm just understanding uh, in some ways how God is coming through to make sure the body of Christ understands the real purpose for prophecy. Um, because for many years uh, now in the church, I know when I started ministry and uh, well, really about 85, something like that. It's been over 30 years now. Is that 30 or 40? <laughs> oh, I lose track. Whatever. But uh, anyway, uh, I can remember there being very, very, very few prophets. The prophets that were functioning uh, as prophets were kind of finding their way and suffered a great deal of persecution uh, from the rest of the body of Christ. One of the things that we need to understand happens in any family is that children tend to compare and compete with one of us that belong to the body of Christ, to God's people, and belong to the earth. They're to be used at God's discretion to bring a certain level of understanding into the earth. And so when, when prophets began to speak, what happened was because the light was greater than that of generally the pastor's light, because pastors operate as shepherds for the sheep but they don't have the revelation gifting in them that the the prophet's office has now that's pretty obvious when people try you and try to manufacture what you want to but you can't make this stuff up many times a prophet's gift is mistaken for a, a fortune telling gift which it is not the gifts of the spirit are done by the Holy Spirit to profit everybody, to profit the whole body. So these are gifts that belong to the body of Christ, to God's people, and belong to the earth. They're to be used at God's discretion to bring a certain level of understanding into the earth. And so when, when prophets began to speak, what happened was because the light was greater than that, of generally the pastor's light because pastors operate as shepherds for the sheep but they don't have the revelation gifting in them that the the prophet's office has now that's pretty obvious when people try you can try to manufacture what you want to but you can't make this stuff up this has to be the plan of God and follow the will of God and that is not to mean that any gift is higher than the other uh, anybody who's been in church any length of time understands the necessity and the desire for good shepherding. I mean, for good pastoral gifts. Same thing with the teaching gift. You need the gifts. All the office gifts of, of, of ministry gifts have a function in the body of Christ. But there are times when God has to make one gift a little more prominent just so people will understand what he's doing through that gift one thing about the prophet's gift is sometimes that will lie dormant in the body of Christ for many years until God has something to say and so we have to understand that these things are regulated by the head of the church who is the Lord Jesus Christ there's no such thing as a head apostle and a head prophet down here on earth come on folks 
let's just get get some sense about ourselves here. God can speak through whomever he wants to, but he has reserved the office as a prophet as his uh, uh, personal servant and his mouthpiece and his gifting to bring revelation into the earth. Now, revelation really is the removal of darkness and bringing light, knowledge, and information into the earth. So when something's revealed, it's really been shrouded in darkness. It's not necessarily new, but it is new to our ability to observe it. So when God brings a prophecy into the earth, he does it in a way that it it spotlights what he is saying. It begins to draw attention to what is being said. And these words draw their own level attention on their own. Amen. Uh, You don't have to interrupt the service and blurt out a word to get the attention that prophecy needs. It gets its own attention because of the anointing that's on it, because of who's saying it, meaning the Holy Spirit, not who's the author of it. That's what I'm talking about. And also its impact on the body of Christ. Now, I can tell you prophecy is probably one of the most fought gifts in the earth. Why do you think that is? One thing, prophecy reveals the mind of God. And once God speaks, what happens? His sheep know his voice. And God may oftentimes start to cultivate new groups of sheep just by speaking. You got me? So when you look at the book of Acts, the early church, when they would get up and preach, you would see 3,000, 5,000 souls saved. And I mean really converted. And the church grew and took off. And why was that? Because of the anointing that God had on those words. See, when Peter got up to speak as an apostle or a prophet, that anointing with which he spoke cut through all that darkness and all that Roman rule and fear of Caesar and fear of being kicked out of the synagogue. It stripped all of that off the people. And they were able to hear and receive Christ. And so that's why the devil fights it, because he knows the impact and the power of it if they were were released with the anointing that God intends to have on it. And so he will fight prophecy. He will fight um, uh, uh, words that come into the earth, uh, trying to throw uh, uh, character assassination on the person speaking them or, or the people that are involved in them. Uh, one of the, the things that I can think of, see, I, I've been a prophet for all these years, and I've been praying that God would release prophets. I'm not jealous of somebody <laughs> coming up. And many of you finished, uh, that are familiar with our prayer manual know that that prayer is in there to release the voice of the prophets. Because I got sick of being the only one chased out of everybody's church. You understand what I'm saying? Because that's what happened when lights, light fights light. The person that has the control light will try to put out the light of the person that has the greater light. We've always had that in the church. If you look at Jesus' time, the Pharisees had no light whatsoever. They couldn't heal a flea. And when Jesus would come in and heal people, what's he doing this for? It's a Sabbath. You can't do any work. Get out of here. 
So that's light fighting light. See they had the, the word of the Lord for their dispensation. But God was releasing something new. So when he releases something new there's a greater light on it. There's a greater intensity. Why? Because he wants people to receive it. And know this is him. God wants people to know that when prophets speak, they are speaking the word of the Lord. And how can he do that if he doesn't uh, uh, intensify things to get people's attention in such a way that they will understand that that is God speaking to them. So prophecy is always fought. It's always controversial. And that's not that's not to say put any put down anybody whose prophecy isn't but it is controversial because it'll come in the midst of great darkness and then start to pull people in a different direction and then we got to make a decision is this God or ain't this God if it's not talking about me personally and I got a Cadillac coming and I got this coming then it's not God don't confuse prophecy with fortune telling because this is what most people in the body of Christ are living under a delusion that fortune telling is prophecy it's not the same thing do you know that God is about more than what goes on in your pocketbook and your house and your garage and your bed you understand what I'm saying he's about more than that and so when true prophecy begins to come or prophets begin to talk about world events or national events or something like that that God is doing and this is the way walkie in it, that's where you're going to have problems. You don't have problems out of people when you start talking about them getting blessed. Because I'm telling you, everybody who stands up in the line to get a prophecy wants to know about me, 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 me. And prophecy is so much more than that. You look at the prophets in the Bible. They wouldn't spoke to kings. They wouldn't tell this prophet to go anoint this one and tell that one he's out of business. They, they controlled world, world affairs with the word of the Lord. And that's what God is bringing back now into the earth. Prophets who speak into world events and world affairs and can can turn the tide of something bigger than what just goes on in your household listen if if you got dictators living everywhere your household isn't going to do very good and if God wants to elevate somebody or put somebody down we let God do what he does best because we don't know these things and so when we start to understand that the true nature of prophecy it is for building up for comforting for exhorting and that is to anybody who listens to it so it doesn't really always include your personal finances or uh, you know some of them, I call them typical Facebook prophecies because that's what they are you know people jump on there and don't even they're not even in a church never been under spiritual authority and all of a sudden they think they hear from God well we've all been through that until we started to mature and learn the word and grow a little bit and so when we started to grow a little bit we realized you know this is my own thoughts talking to me and I'm thinking they're God so as you grow and you learn to understand 
God's voice and you discern his voice and you understand to throw out sometimes we hear something we so in love with it we don't care if it's God or not we're not willing to part with it I ain't throwing this one out this one too good I gotta hold on to the word of the Lord Uh, because you like it that has nothing to do with God speaking he speaks sometimes things we don't like so much but they're still God amen just like Eli the priest you know uh, 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 Samuel who was a young boy under him came in and told him one day you know he said came up woke Eli up and he said what you want and Eli said I didn't call you he went back to sleep he woke him well, Eli what do you want I didn't call you he said, and Eli said that's God talking to you well, next time you hear that voice say, speak master your servant hears and what Samuel heard was not good for Eli Samuel said God is going to take this kingdom away from you and you know why you don't you don't raise your kids right you're letting them steal from God and you're letting them fornicate at the the tent door at the door of the temple he said and and God's going to take you out of here and Eli couldn't do it he said I know that's God he said whatever God is going to do I know it will happen so be it amen and so you know whether you like it or not sometimes it is God you got me so we have to learn how to be more discerning in the body of Christ and less uh, less fictitious in our thoughts maybe or less less concerned about self uh, less concerned because God takes care of us you got me you don't have to be concerned about you God will take care of you but God wants somebody who will take care of his business down here on earth and that's what we have to be about whatever father tells you to do you do it whatever command he puts in your life you have to let your life conform around that command and so this is what uh, the apostle paul was telling timothy in first timothy 118 if you want to turn there he says here timothy my son i'm giving you this command he's giving him a command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them you might fight the battle well holding on to faith and a good conscience let's see a prophecy will bug your conscience if you don't line up with it so you've got to have faith and a good conscience in what God's spoken to you which some have rejected and have so suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith so you have to be careful how you treat prophecy because if you reject it and it's God's word the Bible says here you'll suffer shipwreck with regard to the faith in fact your faith will go off off the rails until you decide to accept what God has for you what he says and to obey and live your life accordingly so this was a command that Timothy gave him the King James tells him to war a good warfare according to the prophecies that have been given to him and so when you war a good warfare according to prophecy it's like this if God calls you a prophet your warfare is to war according to believing that you stand in that office 
you don't bow down and say, well, I'm not going to prophesy. And you don't bow down and say, well, I'm not going to be in the ministry because people think I shouldn't be because I'm a woman or because I'm single or I've been divorced or I've had this or I've had that. You war according to what God says about you. You don't pay attention to what and this is the main part of the warfare. And your warfare is not to talk back to people and try to convince them you're called. That's not your war. Your war is for you to believe it yourself and produce the fruit of one who stands in that office. That's your warfare. Is to get out there and do what God called you to do and make full proof of your ministry. Make full proof of what God has been. If God has called you and you know that you claimed household salvation. Part of your warfare is to war and make the devil leave your family alone and see them all get saved. You got me? And don't pay attention to what you see. The devil will keep you entertained forever with, you know, they don't look like they're not serving God. They're not doing this. Just forget about what people aren't doing. And you war according to your prophecy, not according to what you see and according to what they're doing now. And according to what the devil wants you to look at, you are according to the prophecy. What has God said? He has said, my whole house will serve the Lord. Nobody left out. They'll all serve God. So you, you're not entitled to a minute-by-minute, blow-by-blow description of how that's coming along. You're just entitled to believe the word of the Lord concerning that situation. So prophecy can be a word that comes to you from the mouth of a prophet. It can be something that you read that God has spoken. Amen. But in this case, Paul was talking to Timothy about his call because he said that it was given by the presbytery and by the laying on of hands. And so oftentimes this is a confirming or a confirmation of what's inside of you, not necessarily what you already know. It's what's inside of you. I'm going to say it again, and not what you already know. Because people will oftentimes play down the importance of prophecy, saying, oh, it's just a confirmation. Well, when is God's word diminished to just anything? We have to be careful what we say. Because in our pride, we don't want to think that we can get anything new. That's the problem. We want to know it already. See, we want to have, we want to be little prophets ourselves and feel like we can know anything anytime. That's not really what the gift is all about either. And so many times we'll feel what, what is happening when that happens is that your, your spirit man is witnessing that this is true about you. Your spirit man has a lot of information that your conscious mind isn't aware of. And so what's happening is your spirit man, somewhere in you, you know what's being said about you is true. Because it would have to be in there already for God to call it out of there. Do you understand me? Like if, if somebody tells you that you're, you're called as a watchman, well that rings true in you because that, that's the work that you're doing. You got me? It's not that they're... They have to tell you something new, new and exciting and challenging. You don't want a lot of new stuff. You want to work with what you got. 
and perfect what you got and you want to be called you want to call that to attention many times people are slipping from what they're called to do or I've seen people start listening to somebody else on television you know people they get around people and say well I'm going to go over this church because they have this class and that class and you get a certificate well I know they're on their way out of here because we don't give certificates now God can anoint you for the work but he's never told me to play that game because I can certify you but that doesn't mean God's going to anoint you I can give you a certificate and we give them stop when sometimes when we get finished with a book or a series I'll do that you know I say y'all want something to show somebody I print you some paper you understand what I'm saying that's all it is you know your your grades in school were no indication of how well you succeed in life valedictorians get on crack and die in a dope house you understand me just like anybody else so nothing I can't guarantee your success in anything people who are interested in pieces of paper to validate you don't know how to discern who you are you need to get around spiritual people who can tell what's inside of you forget the piece of paper that can say anything y'all understand what I'm saying and that's been proven in the world now. You see all of these. I saw a statistic the other day. They say over 60% of college graduates are working in jobs that do not require a college education. The, the market is so flooded with bad paper. And bad paper comes about when, when somebody is diluting the impact of what you're doing by putting too much out there and see before they have had government when it was banks just loaning students money and the parents had to pay it back or somebody had to pay it back in a short period of time you didn't have so much problem it's a problem now because now the government's taken over securing these loans and now the debt is up into the trillions of loans that cannot be paid back tuition skyrocketing uh, $40,000 a year and that's just tuition in some places you'll never get that paid off because the jobs aren't out there now and so there are all kinds of, of things that, that we need to be made aware of as far as the truth of these things are concerned but it's it's very very possible to dilute the impact and importance of something especially when God's involved in it you don't want to be working for I know so many people that were were sister somebody yesterday and overnight they're doctor somebody you know what and even in the world you have to pay a price for a, a PhD you know you got to do some dues pay do some school work and see now there are legitimate places out there that are, are trying to educate people in theology and so forth and they can't get people in their, <laughs> their schools for all the people that are wallpaper doctorates so this business of somebody hanging a title on you or putting in a, you know some kind of address or something to embellish you uh, can work against your spiritual because I've seen it I've seen people come and want to learn how to pray and all that kind of stuff and then pretty soon they get over somebody's oh oh, I'm going to go over here because they, they offer me a doctorate and so and so and such and such and 
you know, down the road, you see they needed that anointing. They needed that knowledge. They needed understanding of the real supernatural, and then the devil lures them off. Get you a paper. Get somewhere where somebody can recognize what it is. It's recognition. Everybody wants recognition. And we don't have enough servants. That's why Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. A lot of times our laborers get stolen because they start to get deceived into thinking they need some kind of paper credential to establish them. And they're no more anointed than they were before they got the paper. The paper is not the same thing as the anointing. And so God has to continue to raise up true servants, folks, and keep them from getting deceived and pulled off the track. Because many times God has you in the place where you need to be to be uh, trained and to, to get knowledge of how to work for him. But it doesn't look like the guy down the street who's offering all the embellishments and stuff. Uh, the Copelands, they have a good testimony regarding this. They were in a Bible study. Oh, I forget the sister's last name. It was Sister Jeannie somebody. Man, I forget her name. But she was very well respected by the Word of Faith people. Brother Hagen allowed his students to go over to her meeting. She, This woman was a powerhouse. She was a prophetess. But they called her sister. I forget Jeannie's last name. Well, they would have meetings over there because everybody in Tulsa was hungry for the word. And when Brother Hagen's meeting broke up, they'd go to a Bible study in somebody's kitchen. And, and Sister Jeannie would have Bible studies in her home. And she prophesied to everybody in that meeting that she said, you look around at one another. She said, because you are looking at the next generation of leaders in the body of Christ. Well, at that time, Kenneth. Copeland was broke. He was a part-time, I think, uh, 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 pilot for uh, Oral Roberts. Uh, uh, what's her name was there? Um, uh, I think Rick Renner was there. Somebody else was there, but to the person, they all wound up being leaders in the next move of God, just like Sister Jeannie uh, prophesied to them. And so it's not about where you receive the prophecy and who gives it to you and whether they're on television or not or whether they're well known. Uh, There's a prophet somewhere outside of Las Vegas that many people, stars, uh, you know, body of Christ people have received prophecy from that man deadly accurate and he like just he's just in his house reading his Bible, and he has a small group of people that he's training to be prophets, but that's the extent of his ministry. You understand what I'm saying? So the bright lights and the big name don't always mean you just need to listen to God and go where he tells you to go to get what you need to be successful in him. You need to be successful in God. And so that's what Paul is commanding Timothy to do. He said, you take that prophecy that was given to you legitimately. That prophecy was God, brother. And you wore a good warfare with that. You make sure the devil stays off of you. You remind yourself who you are. Remind the devil who you are. You don't have to remind people who you are because the evidence is there. People judge by fruit. You know, we, we don't judge by words, we judge by fruit. But if you'll war a good warfare according to what God says about you, you will come out successful. 
So we mentioned fortune telling, and I'll tell you what that is. Fortune telling is the practice of predicting information about a person's life. It's the practice of predicting information about a person's life. Predicting information about a person's life. And it doesn't matter the information. See, just it's just the information that people are after. Now, you all know that anybody can pick up from a familiar spirit your name, your address. You know, they can ask you enough questions and get enough information to get a flow of, of you know, words that they can give you. So just information is not validation of it coming from God. People will say things like, there's, there's no way you, anybody could have known that, but God, are you sure about that? You got me? You sure about that? Now, a parallel to fortune telling is what they call divination, D-I-V-I-N-A-T-I-O-N. And this is more of a deeper spiritual practice that includes some type of a religious ritual. And the use of occult spirits. So fortune telling is more on the surface. It's like a um, you know pick up information and run with it type thing. It's not any kind of ritual to connect you with a spiritual force there. So you'll see fortune tellers begin to tell people they're going to get something and bring me some more money and I'll tell you the rest of it and all of that kind of stuff. Divination has more to do with a serious commitment to a spiritual entity or spiritual force that feeds you that information. So one is more ritualistic religious and can come up with deeper knowledge. And the other one is more superficial that will give you just information. You'll notice these uh, mediums on television are always talking about departed souls. They deal mainly in the death of a loved one. And I have a message from them. And they say this. Now that's the work of a familiar spirit. And people will have a connection in the realm of the spirit to contact a spirit familiar with that person's life. And can give you a couple of details and then they fill in the rest of it. Like they'll always say, they told me to tell you that that they're fine where they are and that they're looking down on you and all of that kind of stuff. And so that's that's a level of divination because they've touched into a familiar spirit. A fortune teller is somebody, like I told you, probably get a crystal or some cards or something and start flipping them over and they leave you hanging. It's mostly done definitely for money. So they'll leave you hanging with the cliffhanger until you bring them some more money and then they can get the rest of it for you. You got me? And so these, in, and see, there's a lot of this desire in the church to know information. It's not to hear from God. When you make up your mind you only want to hear from God, then you will only hear from God. 
But if you open yourself up just to get information, feeling lonely, don't want to do this and do, don't want to pray, don't want to do this yourself, and I just need God to tell me something or I need to hear something, you have to be discerning and you have to really guard your spirit that it's sanctified and it only belongs to God. If you'll do that, you'll hear accurately and, and people will be able to get a good clear understanding of what God wants them to say to you you got me and so we have to be careful that we're not beginning to become dependent upon a word outside of reading your Bible and and you know the prophecy never overrides your need for personal contact with God relationship with God and I'm a prophet and I don't let y'all get dependent on other people's words or mine either you know what I'm saying uh, there are some churches where they prophesy to everybody every time they get together and the people become dependent upon pastor you have a word for me prophetess on you have a word for me uh, that's not right see you are bypassing your relationship with God you have to have relationship with God for any of this to work for you for it to mean anything for it to benefit your life you must have relationship with God and so you can't bypass that so the the gift of prophecy comes we said to build people up to edify your spirit not your flesh and your happy zone where you want to hear about some money coming into your life or a husband or a wife or whatever it is that you seek it's not about that so um, uh, and, and it's for building you up edification exhortation in other words to exhort somebody means to stir them up and encourage them to get moving it's like a, your your spirit is like a, a horse that's all set with a harness and everything in a wagon and it won't go and so prophecy comes to stir that that uh, that horse inside of you if you will uh, to get up and start doing something because it has a different level of energy and anointing on it the the prophet's anointing is charged with power more so than any other gift that's why it kind of hits people like a ton of bricks got me and so they either listen to it believe it or they get scared and run from it. They have all kind of reactions to that power. That's why God doesn't release it everywhere all the time. It's for those things when God really wants to say something and wants to get people's attention. He will release the gift of prophecy. It is a spiritual gift. So it ministers to your spirit. Not your happy zone in your flesh. Not your greed where you want to know about some money coming or, or something else coming ministers to your spirit prophecy also contains the mind of God that's very important what does God think what does he know what's he saying how does he respond to you and what does he say so the mind of God is available in the, or is expressed in the gift of prophecy now what do we mean when we say mind of God that means we get to know what God sees and how he sees and I'm telling you he sees things a whole lot different than we do God sees the heart of man he sees your gifting 
He sees the intent. Just like Sister Jeannie in Tulsa. She looked at all those people sitting around there. And, uh, and Gloria Copeland tells this this testimony. She said sometimes she said, we looked at each other. And we, me and Ken barely could pay our bills and get bread on the table. And we talk about leaders. We hardly look like anybody. She said any of us at that time. I think Billy Brim was there. A lot of their current friends were a part of that circle. Rick Renner probably has one of the largest missionary ministries. He even go he could go to Russia and China anytime and get behind those places because God had given him favor to do these things. The people who want to get forward go forward in ministry and apostolic ministry where they uh, can go anywhere under the command of God tend to try to get involved with his ministry and work through him. It's amazing. And so uh, these things are true because number one if you if you will war your warfare according to what God says and I'm sure uh, each and every person who was there at that meeting recalled that every time they couldn't pay the bills or every time it looked like they were going under they would bring that out and say Lord you told me that I would do so and so and I choose to believe that instead of what's going on that's against that word so you will have to fight to make sure that that prophecy comes to pass. you When you carry that in your heart, that becomes your weapon of warfare. Where anything that comes and says, no, it won't happen, you start beating it up with that word. Uh-uh, God told me, and I believe it, that he, he has this, that, and the other for me. So you get a vision of how God sees with prophecy. You see what he sees. And trust me, he sees a whole lot more in us than we can ever see. There are people who think this the prophecy about Trump becoming president was not from God. But it's been fulfilled. Every single thing on that prophecy has been fulfilled thus far. But yet there are Christians who still fight it, number one, because he's not a Democrat. And we want to put that D behind our names all the time. But I'm sorry, but God doesn't belong to a party. You got me? God is God. He'll use whoever he wants to use. And so we'll, we'll understand it better by and by. But let your, you know, uh, drop your sword against the word of God. You know, just put down your fight against these things. Because I'm telling you that you think that prophecy blew your mind. You wait till God really gets started using people that everybody thinks he shouldn't use, can't use, won't use, ain't on the list. Shouldn't be speaking, shouldn't be touching, shouldn't be having a program, shouldn't be. You wait till God really gets started. This is just the tip of the iceberg, folks. And see, this is what happens all the time with the body. We've been warned about this so many times. The group that prays in the move of God winds up fighting it because God's not using who they thought He's supposed to use. We've had these little bitty trickles of the end time move of God and they disappear almost overnight because the people in charge of these meetings start fighting each other and then pretty soon the Holy Spirit has to leave because he will not abide in strife so if you're fighting and cutting and tearing up in this way you're supposed to do this and you know everybody judging everybody that's not going to work so we when prophecy comes it comes as God sees things you think God didn't know who Donald Trump was and this is the first time he met him like a lot, a lot of people on earth are? 
huh? But you can't argue the prophecy has come to pass. And so when you start arguing things, you better make sure the ground you're standing on and see what God is doing. He's getting the politics out of his people. Trust me. He's getting the judgment out of his people. Because we got a lot of people running around the body of Christ that used to be pimps, fornicators, some of them still, uh, religious charlatans. <laughs> and see, those we all get forgiven, don't we? Uh-huh. And we don't let nobody else get forgiven but the ones we want. So we're under, you know, we're under scrutiny here, folks. He's watching us just like, and we think we're watching people. He's watching us. So I'm telling you, I, I prayed for over 40 years for God to get involved in world affairs and, and, and governments and things like that so that we can see real change in the earth. We want to see real change, folks. And so you let God have his way. Quit arguing with him. Quit arguing with these things and just let it go. Like the prophecy we got in, in uh, Rejoice Detroit, wait till the dust settles. There's still a lot of dust. You can't see nothing for all the dust that's that's coming up, <laughs> except whether or not it came to pass. Did it come out of God's mouth and did it come to pass? And so we have to be careful how we judge because we are being judged as we judge. So let us stay wise and understand what prophecy has. So prophecy also contains the plans of God. And this is very important for you because you've got to know what God's got planned for you. We know what we want, but what's he got planned? What has he got planned? And so it, it, it is just like Paul. Paul wasn't really wanting to be flogged in every city he got to. But that was the plan of God for him. Mm-hmm. Paul said, I asked several times for God, make it stop, God. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. What's that mean? I'm getting beat up everywhere I go. But there was grace in his beatings. You got me? You've got to believe it was. He lived. He survived. Every town he went to, somebody helped him out. That's grace. You got me? He didn't die until he got finished with his mission and see that should be a warning to us that there are going to be some of us who will be persecuted like never before for the word of God that we preach remember that lady Kim Davis the the woman who was a um, uh, yeah city clerk uh, recently that the homosexual there was a homosexual man you know she she didn't want to sign certificates for same-sex marriage recently uh, a homosexual man came and applied for her job and she had to take his application See, it never stops folks once the devil wants you done in he still wants you done in so you got a war good warfare according to prophecy you know what I'm saying it's like God if you want me in this job Give me the grace to be able to do what I do here. Because really, there she never should have been suspended or anything for that. Because, and, and see, I see Christians, and see, this is the thing you have to be careful about, how you mouth yourself off. You see Christians on Facebook, well, she's got a job to do. She just ought to do it. 
Well, what she's telling you is, Christian, that in her heart she believes it's wrong, it's sin, and she shouldn't participate in any way. And her conscience, this is her conscience telling you. Now, your conscience may not be developed to that level, but hers is telling her to say no. And she had a right to say no. You know why? They indict themselves. They have vegetarians working in that office that are, are not compelled to give out hunting licenses because they don't believe in killing animals. And she said, I thought it would be just like they do for the vegetarian people. I didn't want to cause any controversy. I didn't ask for all this. But when they told me I had to do it anyway, so she said, well, just let somebody else in the office do it. They do that all the time. Give somebody with a conscience against it an opportunity to live with it. Once the government starts telling you you have to violate your conscience, we're in bad trouble. And we're there, folks. We are definitely there. So I would stay with God. I don't care where it takes me. I'm with God's side. I don't care where it's going. I'm on God's side. No matter what. Amen. So prophecy reveals God's plans. What plan does he have for you? It also reveals how he sees the people who participate in his plan. How does God see uh, everybody? That, that is involved in the prophecy that he gives. Huh? Uh, one of the ladies that, that wrote, the, the, there's a book called The Trump Prophecies. If you want to get it, you get it. But I got some information from there. This woman says that uh, um, she formed a prayer group when she found out about the prophecies. And she said, I judge them. She said, because I've been raised in the church. And, and God has taught me how to judge the rhythm of his voice. And so there is a way for people to discern what's coming from God and what's not coming from God. But they formed a group, a prayer group. And it was a, a phone prayer. And they have somebody in every state assigned to this prayer. And this was during the, um, during the election cycle. And they still meet. And she says that every once a week, President Trump calls her with his prayer requests as to what he is trying to accomplish because he needs God's help. If you're going to get change in this, this world, you've got to have God's help in this hour. The devil is so wicked and so evil and lies on people and, and steals stuff. It's, it's infiltrated almost every level of government and we see that every day every day is somebody who can't keep their hands to themselves that's been working against the things of god and so we've got to understand what's good there's a house cleaning going on folks there is a move when we say repentance we don't know what that looks like but when god starts doing it you better pay attention you guys say, god what's going on here what's happening here lord how is this how is this affecting what you are doing in the earth? Well, if he's, if he's uncovering evil everywhere, then people have to confront it. They can't hide it anymore. See, when people can hide in darkness, that means that there's not enough light out there to counteract the darkness. See, we all want a revival. We don't even know what that means or what it looks like because it looks different in every age. It's going to look like what God has in mind. It's never going to look like what, what we think it's going to look like. 
But I'm telling you, the Bible says what's done in secret will be made light. And what's speaking in in hush-hush will be shouted from the rooftops when God gets involved. So God's exposing people's sin. Why? To bring them to repentance. This is their opportunity to not let the gospel pass them by. Not let this opportunity to, to repent and come under God's protection and God's life to pass them by. And isn't that what we all say we want? But we don't like the way it's happening. <laughs> Most people don't like it. And that's a sign of God too. It's not going to be liked by everybody in every quarter. But if we can just stop our judgment and listen to the rhythm of what God's doing. Listen to the flow and the rhythm of what's God's, what God is doing. And just do our part. You're not responsible to do anybody's part but their own. So we want to see how God uh, prophecy tells how God sees people who participate in his plan. And the mind of God also cont- contains God's planned outcome. So God will tell you what the outcome of what he's doing. When you get a prophecy, God will always tell you what he's doing and why and what the outcome will be. He's not just doing stuff. He's doing it for an outcome. Prophecy also contains the power of God. So we said it contains the mind of God. And then also the power of God. And that's why it's so fought. Because just normal words don't have enough power on them to change the hearts of men, change world events, change the attitudes and atmospheres. Uh, and bring things to light, expose things to the light the way they're supposed to. So prophecy does that. So it contains the power of God to do several things. Number one, to bring his word to pass. Especially when you see a word that's unpopular, a movement that's unpopular, or people that are unpopular. If there's, If it comes to pass... It's got to be the finger of God to cut through all of that darkness. So it brings the word to pass. Also, it it has the power to set everything in order according to God's plan. So prophecy will set things in order. There are prophecies that set people in order in the body of Christ. For instance, many times when I prophesy to people, oftentimes God will give me understanding of their gift and calling. That's always been real strong with me. And so I can discern somebody who is called to ministry, what their office is, in in those kinds of things because God wants to set his body in order. He doesn't want you thinking you're a prophet just because that seems to be the wonderful thing to be right now and you like that and somebody has told you that's who you are. He wants to set that in order in a way that it confirms what's on the inside of you that you maybe are not aware of. 
And so when he begins to speak and begins to establish who you are, it's for you to be guided by that in your life. Oh, that's what I'm called. Well, that's why I think this way. And that's why I can pick this up real easy. And that's why. Many times people who are more comfortable in certain situations can oftentimes understand their gift and calling based on that because we tend to want to conform to what's comfortable on the inside of us, not always what's on the outside. There's some people, many times, I'll give you an example, evangelists are called to reach the sinner. And sometimes they want to stay out roaming the streets more than they like the house of God. Well, you got to make them come in and get fed and built up too. But you'll see some of them. There's a friend of mine on Facebook. He's 72 years old and he's on the streets of Las Vegas every night passing out chick tracks in an area where it's mostly prostitutes. I mean, every single day and every single night he's out there passing out tracks. He also has a very firm, established church that he's in where he goes and gets fed and, and he has good relationship with the leadership there and all you know the whole nine yards he's not running around but he is so comfortable out there even at his age he's still there he's been doing this for years and years and years and he don't quit why because the gift doesn't quit the gift doesn't retire the gift doesn't get tired of doing what it's supposed to do he is driven by that gift of God that is within him amen He'll say, oh, pray for me. We're going into the prison tonight. And, and we're going to, well, you know, they when we got there, he said, I, I really, really, really wish you guys would pray because we had a little bit of a disappointment when we got there. They wouldn't let us in, and we had to wait 40 minutes. But he was still there after 40 minutes. You got me? Uh, you don't do that if you're just doing something for a fling or you're trying it out or you're not really called by God to do what you do. You get there at the appointment and you stay there until it comes to pass. And so he said, well, it worked out. With we did finally get in, but we only had 15 minutes of our time left. You got me? And so, you know, you start praying, asking God, where's the hindrance, Lord? You know, get, get this hindrance out of the way so they can get in there and reach these people that you ordained for them to reach, etc. But that's just one example of how different gifts work. And how they operate in the body of Christ. Now everybody is called to win souls. But not to that degree and that anointing. You got me? And so you, you have to let people be who God calls them to be. Amen? I wouldn't try to discourage that man for anything. You know, you have people say, well you need rest. and you know, Don't you tell anybody anything like that. You don't know what they need. Amen? They know what they need. They can get what they need from God. You know, unless you're called to speak into their life, you know, some family member that knows them and prays for them and stuff. Or, but you know, even with that, you got to stop that kind of stuff. Getting on a, in your soul about, oh, well, you're tired. You need a day off. Are you kidding me? The devil don't take a day off. You go out there and somebody you could have given a track to the night before has died from an overdose in the hospital somewhere. Are you kidding me? Stop it. Amen. So that's part of what you have to war against. You have to war against the soul, not only somebody else's, but your own soul. Always trying to take a vacation. You know, always trying to go with a weather suit, stay clothes. You know that kind of stuff. 
We can't do that all the time. We gotta gotta stay OTJ on the job, Amen, for Christ. So prophecy we said sets things in order according to God's plan. So the gift, the calling, all that is God's order. He will set things in order according to his plan. Prophecy also has the power to change hearts and minds to line up with his will. So prophecy will change hearts and minds to line up with the will of God. And that's the beauty of it. You'll find sometimes that people, you know, they weren't so hot about something. And the word of the Lord comes first and they just do a total 180 and go in the opposite direction. God will use prophecy when people are, are, are um, you know, when people get saved. He can prophesy to people. And that's, that's a beauty of the, the gift of prophecy. To read the thoughts and intents of hearts of people that are far away from God. And God draws them near by telling them things that, that just convince them that God is real. So don't ever play it cheap as far as sinners are concerned. It will convert the hearts of sinners as well. So it will change hearts. It has that power on it. To change hearts and minds <clears throat> to line up with the will of God. In Acts chapter 9, we'll see a prophecy, a heavenly vision that the Apostle Paul had. It gives you a good understanding of how this works and also why he was so uh, adamant in telling Timothy to war a good warfare according to prophecy because it had worked for Paul. I'm sure uh, this is how he was able to be authentic with Timothy and tell him, Timothy, you're going to make it, but this is how you make it. You've got to go back to the word of the Lord that was given to you by the presbytery and by the laying on of hands and use that as your weapon of warfare. In other words, when your your mind starts to waver and you think that you you don't have anything, no more energy to give to the to the gospel, just war that you know, bring that prophecy out and begin to hit that thing that's trying to get you to give up, slow down, go off and do something else, or oh, that hasn't happened yet, so God must not have told me to do that and go do something else, kind of thing. Don't do that. You take that prophecy back out. And you fight that thing that's trying to get you not to do what the prophecy says. And that will remind you who you are. So in Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. Let me see. 9 verse 1. It says, "Meanwhile, Meanwhile Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Now this is where this man was before prophecy. I'll show you how powerful it is to turn people around. You'll see all the things we said were, were in this vision or in Paul's vision. He was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So here, the synagogue has more power in the government than they did when Jesus was alive. 
Remember, in order to get Jesus crucified, they had to go to Pilate. They couldn't just execute the law on their own. Now they've gotten so angry at God's plan that they're, they've taken over. They're doing their own, dragging people out and flogging them and stoning them to death. They just murdered Stephen. And so Paul's not done. He's just on his way to get some more people. He didn't care if it was women, children, whoever it was. He made sure that they were all brought before the Sanhedrin or the Pharisees and stoned to death if they were converts to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says uh, says here, <clears throat> um, oh yeah, he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any that belonged to the way and that's what they referred to Christians as before they changed their names to Christians they were said to be in the way whether men or women he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem as he neared Damascus on his journey suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now anybody who believes that somebody who is working against God's plan can do it forever needs to just read this a couple good times. You got me? Just read a couple good times and you'll quit fretting about people who are trying to destroy what God's doing who are standing in the way of of especially these people who have worked their way into the courts in this country now, uh, don't want you to pray anywhere, can take somebody's job and all of their belongings because they won't put two people of the same sex on top of a cake. Uh, If you want a cake, go buy you a cake and get you some dolls and stick them up there yourself if that's so important to you. Seriously. It's not worth taking somebody's life possessions. Are you kidding me? What is that going to hurt? How is that really hurting you? You can get it done anywhere you want to. There's all kinds of bakeries. You couldn't go into a, a uh, uh, what do you call it, um, Myers Bakery and get pornographic pictures put on a cake. They tell you, choose from what's here, right? Special orders upset us. You choose from what's here. And that's all they get. And you can't go in there, well, I'm suing Mr. Meyer because I want some naked people on my cake and I can't get it. No, we already told you, you choose from what's here and keep it moving. In fact, they'll even give you a discount. Oh, you don't want any writing on it? Cool. You want me to just, you know, put it up there? That's fine. So let's not let's not get get it overblown as to the enormity of the offense here. You're not wounded forever. You just found somebody who loves God and don't want to participate in your shenanigans. There's all kinds of people that don't want that. And they don't have to put up with it. So let's understand here, if God has set you free, he tells us don't get entangled again with a yoke of bondage. You stay free and you do what I tell you to do. 
So God then then uh Paul gets knocked off of his horse and is blind. Now only God knows why he does things. You know, we can guess and we can you know, knocked off his high horse. He thought he was bigger than God. Yeah, part of that's true too. But blinding him to the natural well, if you can't see what you've been dealing in for so long, I bet you'll wait until somebody turns your eyes on and then you see what God tells you to see. You consider sight precious after that. You think, oh, you've been running around here doing everything I want to do and I can't do nothing no more. I'd wait for somebody to lead me. I'd wait for somebody to have mercy on me. That was uh, unique for Paul because he terrorized everybody. When Paul came into town, people, Christians ran and hid. People who were in the way ran and hid. And nobody's hiding from him now. Okay. And so that's where God is called humility, folks. You know, if you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. But if you refuse to humble yourself, you might be humiliated. Amen? So he says here... <clears throat> A light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? The King James says, he adds to it, it's hard to kick against the pricks, isn't it? And that's what we need to remember. When you start praying for people's salvation, God is pricking them. And after a while, they got to go God's way. Amen. They can't kick against that. You know, like horses, when it's a reference to a horse, when a rider wants him to move, he'll prick him in the side with his spurs just to stir him up so he'll move. And many horses will start bucking when you do that and throw you off. But Jesus said, you can't throw me off. It's hard for you to kick against. He said, I'm the kind of guy that holds on. So I'll not make you behave. And so a rider, if a rider could hold on against those kicks, the horse would usually submit and go on with him. That's what Paul did. He submitted and said, okay, Lord, you're the boss now. Take me where you want me to go. He says, and then Paul said, who are you, Lord? Um, evidence, he wasn't converted there. He's not a sheep yet. The Bible says what? My sheep know. Yep, and he wanted this Lord to identify him. He called him Lord because he struck him blind. He couldn't fight him no more. So he had to bow. He says, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. In other words, you're not, you not hurting my people. You're hurting me. And he says, now get up and go into a city and you will be told. what <laughs> You're not the boss, Paul. You will be told what you are to do. Men traveling with Saul stood there speechless because they heard the sound but didn't see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand to Damascus. For three days he was blind and fasting. He didn't eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision and said, Ananias, he said, Yes, Lord. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man 
named Ananias, come and place his hand on him to receive his sight. Lord Ananias answered, I've heard about this desperado Saul and all the harm he has done to your holy people here in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest. So he knew all about Saul. But the Lord said to him, Go. This man is my chosen instrument. Ow! You mean God can use somebody like him? Use you. Use me. See how quickly we forget where we were before God found us. And we want to say he can't use certain people because they have this, that, and the other in their background. Or they used to do this, or they used to do that. Or You understand what I'm saying? Just hold your judgment, folks. Hold your judgment. You've got to go within and find out what God's doing. Suppose Ananias had refused, which he was trying to do. God convinced him to obey. But you don't get to refuse God. Think about what, how God saw Saul. Paul, who at that time was Saul, what was in him, and what Saul produced once he was converted. And somebody refusing to help God to get that man to his next step. You don't want to be that person. You don't want to be the person in opposition to the will of God. So the best thing to do, see, God will call people who have the ability to say yes to him. But sometimes your soul wants to say no because you're not comfortable thinking about the world in that way. And so you think about it and you think, well, what is my salvation resting on if I think some people are too bad for God to save or too bad for God to use? That guy with all the dreads, Todd White, with the he has believers ministry healing ministry you'll you know you'll see his you know videos on youtube and different places his family doesn't speak to him now because of the things that he did before he was saved they refuse to acknowledge god's using him god cleaned him up and these people are saved they witnessed to him when he was a sinner but they despise him now that god's using him so you can easily slip over to the other side and not realize what's happened to you. So that's why prophecy is there to help get us. It, it, lets, it lays down a plumb line so that who is ever on the Lord's side, y'all come over here. Whoever wants to stay over there, y'all stay over there. But God has drawn a line now. And never to be obscured again. He's not playing with you and all your little pet things that you like anymore. God is really, really about to do great things in the earth. And he wants a body who's going to listen to him. See, if if you could hear what God's plan is on just channel surfing Christian TV, everybody would know it. But sometimes you've got to give him more attention than that. To just sit there and just go from channel to channel and say, oh, okay, yeah, I know what God's doing now. I know you don't. You may have to walk a little bit. You may have to stretch your faith a little bit. You may have to come out of your comfort zone a little bit in order to hear, really, the word of the Lord that he's speaking. So, 
prophecy was so powerful that light shone and engulfed everybody in that area when Saul was being given his vision or his prophecy. The power of God overcame his physical man and knocked him off his horse, caused blindness. You know, the same thing happened to Zacharias when he was in the temple. He came out blind. Keeps you humble when you got to wait for somebody to tell you if you can go or come. You understand what I'm saying? God has his purposes for doing things. He, he did not eat or drink for three days. He was waiting to hear from God. Listen, if you could see one minute, next minute, you couldn't see anything, you get on your face too. Ananias received another prophecy which told him to go and pray for Saul and why. So you see, prophecy is not just go do this and not give you any kind of understanding or explanation. Ananias understood exactly why he had to go and pray for for Saul. And that is, God says, I've called this man to do something for me. Now the thing that he will never tell you, and he seldom tells anybody, is why he calls anybody. Because if he told you why, everybody would be out there trying to imitate brother so-and-so that got all his attention from God. What does he say? He said, the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that are revealed are for you. So if he reveals it, grab onto what he reveals and go run with it. If he didn't reveal it, (laughs) you don't need to know. You got me? And so we have to live with that aspect of God's character. You get parts of the mind of God that he wants to share, the stuff he don't want to share, you just have to know that he gives you enough to do what you need to do amen so god gives ananias instructions exactly where judas lives it's not judas over there on on uh, chain street or over there on jefferson but this guy lives on straight street okay so you get precise instructions in what god wants you to do if he tells you he wants you to go to hamtramck you go to hamtramck you don't go well, you know, I mean, we don't have to go that far, do we? We can go right here because this is close. Yeah. He wants you to go where the appointment is. So we went to Judas's house on Straight Street to pray for Paul, who was blind. And God says he is a chosen vessel. And he gives him enough for him to know <clears throat> what uh, what God wants him to do. So in verse 15, the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings. And didn't Saul do that? He preached to the Gentiles. Now he would go and teach in the synagogues because I'm sure he he was permitted to do that. But what he taught, they didn't want to hear. And so he says, his mainly to the Gentiles and to the people of Israel. I'm sorry, he was called to both. He says, I will show you how much he must suffer for my name. So you think about it. Say, hmm. Oh, well, Saul's not going to have an easy life after all. Now think about it. Ananias didn't want to go and have anything to do with Saul because he was mean. He's killing up all the Christians, right? 
So when Jesus tells him, "Go, because you're gonna," I'm gonna tell you how many things he must suffer for my name. He said, "Okay, that sounds better, Lord." He's not gonna have such an easy time after killing up all the. Well, what motivates you to get up and do something for God? Just a thought. Let us not condemn Ananias. Just a thought. So it says, Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, sent me that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales. It's just like on Pentecost. Amen. The Spirit, like cloves, tongues of fire fell on the people. It wasn't fire. It was like that. Spiritual things are very hard to describe sometimes. So he said it was like scales fell off of his eyes. And he says, and he could see again. And he got up and submitted himself to the believers that were there is what would it say. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Amen. And so this prophecy over Saul is what kept him throughout his his walk with God. Because you saw him repeat it over and over again. He repeated it to, I think it was King Agrippa. He was in front of, here it is, prophecy coming to pass. He's going to stand before kings. And not always in a good way. You know, people say, oh, your gift makes room for you and puts you in high places. We always see ourselves in front of president or something or somebody that's rich and got a lot of money and all that kind of stuff. The king might be in jail on his last leg or on his deathbed or, or getting ready to go to the gallows and you've got to sneak in there and minister to him. You just don't know. And so many times we want the high calling in a carnal sense instead of in a spiritual sense. Amen. So you see that Paul was able to fulfill everything. Amen. That God wanted him to fulfill until the day that the Lord took him home. Many times he came close and God would say it's not your time. I got some more for you to do. So that prophecy will also keep you alive until you fulfill everything that's written in it. Amen? All right. Father, we thank you. We bless and praise and worship you. We thank you, Lord, for the power of prophecy. Thank you, Father, that we are mature in our understanding that it's your will and not ours. How dare we try and judge your plan. But, Father, help us to be wise, to know our part in it, and that we can do everything that you called us to do according to your prophecy over us. In Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. 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 If anybody needs prayer, come on up. I'll pray for you. Praise God. <clears throat> I just need some true worshipers to stand to your feet right here. Come on. Ooh, Oh. 